From 87 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Matt. And I'm Adam. Adam, you are you're like a beat late there. I mean, come on. This is like this is episode 66. I mean, well, you gotta get the act together. I know, I know, but I got nervous, and here's why. This is gonna be the last episode for a while where one person is at 87 Lafayette. Because I'm yes. leaving on Saturday. You're already gone, so It'll be a weird, um, it'll be a weird situation. Yeah, you know, I, we've talked about this before, uh, but it is going to be weird if neither of us are at 87 Lafayette to say from 87 Lafayette. But as we've said, 87 Lafayette is really more of a state of mind. Also, maybe an LLC. I don't know. Um, and, you know, that's what it's all about. Even if we're actually, uh, streaming to you from... Uh, some islands off the coast of Massachusetts. Yes. But it does coronavirus <laughs> from the Cape and Islands, you know, like, we're not W, uh, what is it? W, W-C-A-I, oh what is it? Yeah, something like that. Oh, Whatever man. the NPR station is up, great NPR station. I mean, really, as NPR stations go, they're all, they're all grade A in my book, but the one up here is A+. Plus. So, yeah. Adam, how are things at 87 Lafayette? Uh, good. Not bad. We're tending the plants upstairs. Momo has really moved into your room. She loves the rug under your desk. Oh, great. I can't wait to uh, collect all of her fur off of it when I return. Yes, because we don't have to vacuum clean. No, we vacuum. Um, uh, No, it's good. It's quiet. I know, I, I was going to say, you feeling lonely? Momo, Momo is definitely working overtime. Let's put it that way. But, mm. um, no, I'm doing okay. It's weird, like, I don't know, this just feels like we're just going to be in this situation forever. You know, New York City is close to meeting the first set of targets to maybe reopen, but no one knows what reopening will mean. No one wants to go back to work. Like, I, I don't think there's going to really be that much of a sea change when we reopen. Right. Well, uh, that's that's the thing. I think that what I'm realizing is New York can officially be reopened, but no one actually wants to go back to work because uh, everyone's well, afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah. I think a lot of people are looking to get their jobs back. But, you know, it's not like I'm going to go to a bar anytime soon, Right. Um, and I, I think what that means is my friend put it to me. He said, look, the first phase doesn't mean anything, but the point is there's no criteria for phase two. It just happens after phase one. So the sooner we get to phase one, the faster we get to phase two. And like, agree, like for you and me, this doesn't mean anything, but there are a lot of people where like mm-hmm. phase two might mean I can go back to work. Mm-hmm. Now, is that necessarily a good idea? Probably not, but I understand why people want to get back. And it, it's some people I'm sure want to get back because they want to get drunk at a bar, but I, I hope the majority of people who are itching to get back are doing it for better reasons. Mm-hmm. Then again, you look at Missouri or wherever Lake of the Ozarks is. Um, Ozarks. Um, Ozarks. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, and you're like, okay, none of those people are like, get me, get me back to my job. It was like, get me drunk and hopefully get me laid. Um, and yeah. Well, you know, I, I do think there's something to be said for this because, uh, 
I've been a proponent of the view that the world is never going to be the same. We're going to work differently. We're going to live differently now that we've all been awoken to the possibility of something like this. And a little dent was put in that argument the other day when I realized that, you know, after the Spanish flu came the Roaring Twenties. It wasn't like post-Spanish flu, everyone just hunkered down and stayed home for the next 10 years. As soon as it was over, a couple years later, like people really went out and, and had a good time. And yeah, that was a different time because no one had cell phones and no one could work from home and stuff like that. But I do think that in some ways the, the need to congregate is going to come back. I'm just not sure when. And I, I do still think that the way we work is going to be really different. But I don't think the way we socialize is going to change all that much, um, yeah. you know, five years from now. Look, what I'll say is if you, if you look at the data, right, um, the number of states that are starting to see an increase in the number of corona cases is going back up. And maybe maybe that's okay because it just means that we're increasing our testing capacity. But I think you'd agree with me that that's probably not the case, that the case counts going back up are indicative of more cases driven by more transmission, not more cases driven by more testing. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm worried about. You know, I I think this is a decent segue. Yes. I was going to say, speaking of worries, you know, what, what do I do? What, what do we do when we worry? We look to a higher power. And so I think we should turn to our guest who is, uh, you know, uh, a conduit between higher powers and our lowly mortal selves. Mia, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me back. So, happy to have you. So to our listeners who may not, uh, may not remember because, you know, uh, they've just listened to so many Coronapod episodes with so many incredible guests, uh, Mia is one of our returning guests, I think guest number three on the show. We talked, I think, on March 17th, way back when, more than two months ago, right at the start of all this. And we talked about how you were, you know, helping people get through this, how you were thinking about your first remote sermon. And so we wanted to check back in and see how that's all going. So how have the past two months been? Catch us up. Well... Past two months have been really interesting. So I talked um, two months ago about how we were starting with online prayer, and that's really taken off. We do twice daily between the three priests. We do uh, morning prayer and evening prayer. And so we have people joining us um, on Facebook Live for that every day. And then we also have our Sunday morning worship, which has been going as well as it can go. And can I swear on your podcast? Absolutely. (laughs) Zoom has really screwed over uh, the church community because a lot of churches rely on Zoom to do these like live broadcasts. And Zoom has decided that the primo time to fuck with their settings without telling anyone is Saturday night. So no matter how much you've rehearsed your Sunday morning church service, Zoom comes in and changes things, and then Sunday morning is all screwed up. And that happens like three weeks in a row um, where we just have these technology issues because Zoom had changed, like, 
required passwords and then suddenly like wouldn't let you go live without leaving. And this past, one of the really bad ones, um, it was like the global Zoom outage happened on Sunday morning and the clergy in Europe actually warned us ahead of time that this was happening. So we had some time to scramble and prepare. So I know last time I talked about like, I'm church finding new ways of technology to connect, which has been happening, but also has been extremely frustrating because of, um, I think Zoom doesn't think about like all these church communities relying on them on Sunday morning. And right, they're, they're focused on, you know, schools and businesses and not thinking about the, the, the rest of us. And exactly. So this week we actually switched to pre-recorded services which feels a little weird, um, and we're going to see how it goes, but we basically record ourselves worshiping, and after it, I'm actually writing a sermon right now that I'm recording tomorrow, and that all gets kind of pre-done and then put on our website to, like, kind of premiere live, but it's not the same kind of, like, live experience that we had before. And, and how have your congregants reacted to that? You know, first to being on Zoom... And, and now to this, like, are people saying that I feel just as connected as I did before? Or are people saying, yeah, this is great, but it's uh, not the same? So I think people, the, like, most vocal parishioners are the ones who really love the live aspect. And they feel more connected with us, even if we make mistakes and drop it and all the stuff. We had this one time where my rector got really frustrated and swore live um, during the middle of the service. Oh, my. Couldn't get the hymn up. And um, there was at a point where, like, he hadn't given me the power to, like, mute him. So it was just very uh, difficult. But the teenagers in our church loved it. When we had youth groups, like, they were like, did he really say that <laughs> so I think people do respond. And one thing I've discovered with morning prayer is I've had to learn how to do what you guys do. I've had to learn how to banter because that's what people really respond to. They want us to be talking about our day and how the scripture relates to us. They don't just want us to go through the motions of prayer um, each time. So I had to up my game with banter to myself <laughs> in my little monologues. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we're we're always we're always happy to give you a tutorial on banter, although I don't think we're particularly good at it. But uh, you know, always always happy to to try to be of help. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious um, to understand how you have felt. So we talked a little bit about you know what folks in your congregation have felt, but you know, when you're giving a sermon, I imagine that you're reading people's body language and you're trying to read the room and, and understand what's going on. Have you figured out how to do that over Zoom? Like, you know, I I personally feel in meetings, it's like an art to look at 10 different faces on a Zoom call and try to identify, like, who's actually having a reaction. Are you doing that over Zoom or are you just like, I'm performing this as if I were in a TV studio? It is so hard. It is so hard. Um, what we like to say about preaching is the Holy Spirit does the work. So God is like moving with you as you're preaching and is like bringing the message to the people. And there's this back and forth dialogue, even though the preacher is saying the words, everybody's with you and it's super embodied and it's really sacred. And that is really, really hard to feel when you're staring at like a tiny blinking light. 
I think um, I've been surprised by the positive reaction people have had to my sermons. Um, I had one parishioner write to me that they've never cried at a sermon. It just, people are still getting it and they're still responding to my sermons um, in a way that I don't totally expect because I'm not feeling it when I'm recording it as much. Um, but then later on, I hear that they are. So it's hard to know. Um, I think there is a, I didn't become a televangelist for a reason, <laughs> but I'm kind of learning. I, I, I was going to ask, what, how are your kind of non-worship church activities continue? They build smaller communities. They help people who are struggling. How are kind of some of those efforts continuing when you can't be in the same place together? It is really, really hard. So I'm the children and youth minister. So my extra gatherings that I'm doing are like church school and youth group. And it's very hard. I think pretty much the only ministry I have that's been successful has been the middle school youth group. The middle schoolers I have found love playing games together. They We've gotten great attendance. The kids goof off during Zoom and they're really longing for that connection that they haven't been getting. But with the younger kids and with the high schoolers, it's a real struggle. Um, we went from having, you know, 30 kids on a Sunday in their little classroom um, with parent volunteers and all that to it's like six or seven kids show up on Zoom and I kind of talk with them and do a little lesson with them. And I think the beauty of it is there's like more intimacy and I'm getting connected with more of the kids in the parish than I have been, but it's really hard with kids. So one of the creative things that I've done is I, I knit a little mouse and I knit her a little clergy dress and I knit her little stoles and little vestments and I named her Ramona, the assistant rector mouse, and she's traveling around to different kids in the parish, and then they write a little letter about what they did with the mouse, and they write a little letter to their church school friends that they met, and then they can drop her off. It's like a little flat family experiment, but really trying to figure out creative ways for the kids to connect with each other, because kids have a hard time doing small talk on a screen, really feeling engaged. It's been, been difficult. I will say, it's, you might be the only person who thinks that middle school is easiest. Um, I feel like most of the time, middle school is um, everyone's disaster. I know you live in church housing, essentially. Are you near the church, and do you go to an empty church, or have you just been staying in your, in your house? So I've just been staying in my house. Um, we weren't actually... As a staff, we decided we wouldn't go into the building until things had kind of eased up to protect our sexton. So I actually went into the building for the first time last week, and it was eerie because we walked in and everything was still set up for Lent because when we left, it was like before Easter. All the calendars were like months before. It was kind of the air was like still and dead. It was really kind of freaky. I did do, I did do a recording in the church. We haven't been really recording in the church, but I think we're going to start doing it 
we have heard from some parishioners that they really enjoy the intimacy of us coming to them live from our bed, from our like living rooms and our kitchens, because that's where they are worshiping too. So there has been some connection there. Whereas being in a, standing in a big church kind of feels bad. Um, but we have heard from other people who miss the building and miss the sacred space that we used to. So one one final question for me, and this is this is slightly off color, but I hope you'll answer it. You talked about how you have morning prayers and evening prayers. And right now, for our listeners at home, Mia just finished evening prayers, so she is in her vestments. Do you wear the the book from morning prayer to evening prayer, or the minute morning prayer is finished, you change into a t-shirt and jeans, and when, you know, 8 o'clock rolls around for evening prayer, you run back into your bedroom and throw it back on. I won't ask if you're, like, you know, wearing pants underneath, but, but the vestments, are they on all day or just for the camera? It super depends on the day. So if I'm, like, going to go for a run, no. If I'm being really lazy, yes. I like to be in a collar for, like, some meetings and stuff, so there are different reasons throughout the day to be in a collar, um, which is the main vestment. Um but it super depends on the day. Sometimes I just I just kind of put a collar on top and not worry about on bottom, all that. Uh, sometimes I'm just lazy and wear it all day. Yeah. Huh. Excellent. Well, Mia, thank you for coming on the show. This has been great. And uh, let's catch up again soon. Uh, and uh, you know, see Hopefully see how the reopening and hopefully by the next time we talk, re- return to in-person worship goes. Yeah, I mean, we don't have super firm dates on that, but we have been forbad by our bishop. Even though the government has said worship services are essential, you can start opening up. Our bishop in the diocese has said no public worship until at least after July 1st. So we can plan on talking at least after July 1st. Uh, my situation's not going to change too much until then. Sounds good. Well, thanks again. Thanks again. And thanks for looking after all those people up, up in that uh, that there Massachusetts part of the country. Thank you all. Thank you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye. Adam, you know, uh, what What do you wear? You know, speak, same question to you. Your vestments. Do you, uh, you know, do you just throw on something for meetings? What are you doing these days in terms of your clothes? Well, Sue, I think this is the interesting thing, is that I have become someone I never thought I'd be. I am a midday shower. I take showers anytime between, like, noon and 3 p.m., and so far, no one has mentioned that my shirt color changes and that my hair is soaking wet. And with friends, with our good friend Peter, for example, I was helping him with something earlier today. And I, um, I did that call straight out of the shower in just a towel. But the, 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 the camera is, you know, from the collarbone up. So, you yeah. know, I don't think he would have known it, except I thought it was funny to, well, you know, show him a little more skin. But I, my hair is so long that, like, I look ridiculous no matter what. So on client calls, too, I'm like... Who, the, who who is still trying at week 11? You know, you uh, you and I are very, very different because I 
need routine. So I'm like the person who's still showering at the same time, who gets dressed every day as if I were going to the office. I'm literally working from home on Nantucket right now, and I'm still wearing a white collared shirt every day uh, and getting made fun of for it at work. Uh, But, you know, Adam, it's why we work so well together. We're similar, but we're also pretty, uh, pretty different. And uh, I think this is, this is one of those areas. Right. And even though, you know, we're both neurotic Jews at the end of the day. Right. Speaking of Jews, here's some music from a movie that was, you know, really my Jewish education growing up. And Relates back to our conversation with Mia, some music from The Prince of Egypt. This has been Corona Pod. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay healthy. Coronapod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat.